Hello, everyone, and welcome to Wine Control Port Podcast, episode 283. I'm Benjamin Yoder, here today to talk to you about video games. We got, look, The First Soldier. We're going to be talking about that today. I know everyone's very excited about that. Um, I don't know how people feel about The First Soldier if they aren't, like, actively engaged in it now. I think most people are just like, huh, that's that game that didn't do well, huh? Now they're shutting it down after a year. I'm like, yep, yep, they are. So let's talk about some First Soldier. Um, we got a WiiWare game we're going to talk about. And then there's also quite a few news stories, actually. We got a couple of updates on some physical releases. Um, and then uh, Return of One kind of, like, game that I've always wanted to check out in the, the Elevator Action series. I'm sure you probably know what it is if you know anything about the Elevator Action series. Uh, and then also we got maybe some some ghost trick tickling, Ace Attorney people thing. Very exciting. Anyways, welcome. Uh, first Soldier. We're going to talk about the First Soldier first and foremost. Uh, so, you know, if you, if you weren't here around when I was playing the First Soldier initially, this is that Final Fantasy Battle Royale game. And, and like, to kind of just sum up my initial feelings of that game, really, is I played it for about three months uh, around launch time, and it had tons and tons of technical issues. But I really adored the game itself, because it's a Battle Royale game that really focuses on variety, and it has a variety of paths to win, essentially, which is something that I feel like most battle royale games struggle with where the the path to win often comes down to the most aggressive path all the time. Um, in the case of first soldier though, I think a lot of times it comes down to just making sure you're doing the right thing. Um, that can be leveling up of monsters. I can be doing quests. Although I feel like the quest system in general is maybe one of the weaker links. And honestly, um, I think there's a lot of things they could have changed to improve it. But as far as I can tell today, it's still the same as when it was launched basically. Um, and then also, you know, you could do that PVP aspect and there's also bots going around, but I don't like the bot aspect of the game. That's probably my least favorite thing about it. But anyways, but I really adored that aspect of the game. I think it really worked really well with the battle pass, which really encouraged you to play with those different styles and kind of realize what the benefits of each of the, each approach was. Uh, but you know, ultimately at the end of the game, you still have to fight the other team, you know, kind of thing. So, um, I really liked it a lot. And I, and I, and I, um, the main reason I stopped was just because I don't really stick around with live games very often. And even though they added new content, you know, I have a really hard time getting back into live games because most of the time, the changes that are made patch by patch are not enough to get me excited about a game. Um, and and so I need a long break from a game. And even then, like, I've gone back to Apex a couple times, um, and I'm just like, yeah, it's different, um, but it's not, like, different enough for me. So, um, and, and, you know, if I... if if I came back to First Soldier today without the context of it shutting down, you know, I'm not necessarily sure how I'd feel either, to be honest. But um, I did have a lot of fun, though. I did play for about eight hours, a very long period of time. It's kind of in that realm of, like, Smash Brothers for me, where, like, if you just leave me in a room with a copy of Smash Brothers with nothing else to do, I will I will burn that entire time playing Smash Brothers. And, and playing Battle Royale games are very much that way for me, where, like, if I'm just sitting here and I have nothing to do otherwise, I'm just going to keep going and just keep going, and I will never stop, so, um, but yeah, so, uh, I, 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 uh, went and started playing that this weekend, and, and I really enjoyed my time coming back to it, not only because there's the new map, and the new map, I think, is pretty okay, it definitely feels a little budget, they've kind of reused some assets from the previous map, but it feels a lot, like, it feels, it's a good diverse map, because it's more of, like, a city map, rather than, like, some big wasteland kind of map thing, um, and, and then they also like added some new stuff to the old map. So there's like a golden saucer area you can go on to, but it's like mainly just the corners of the map. So either you start there or if you're lucky at the end of the round, uh, the, the circle will end there kind of thing. And so 
Uh, those were kind of like the big, big visual changes. But the thing I really liked the most was playing as one of the new classes, which is the Trickster. Since I last played, they added three classes, Dragoon, Trickster, and Machinist. And I never really liked Dragoon that much. Basically, you know, if you played Final Fantasy, you know what's going on with Dragoon, right? They're going to jump. They're going to stab down from the sky. It's, it's, it's a cool class, I will say. But personally, I never really found a lot of use for it. Um, and then I played a little bit of Machinist where you basically have a like motorcycle you can ride and then, or not motorcycles, like a, a hoverboard maybe that can shoot, but I don't think the aiming's particularly good on it, which might be very, very intentional. Uh, but their big thing seems to be they have like little flying around like orbs that fly around them. They can either shoot, heal, or basically self-destruct kind of thing. Um, and so depending on your play style, you want to go with different types of orbs and you can, you can select which orb you want, um, as your, your main kind of thing. But I didn't really end up playing either of those classes very much. I mean, I mostly played the trickster. Um, and I think what's really cool about the trickster is that it kind of opens up your gill as a resource. So they're kind of like the gambler class. I think I've, uh, in previous final fantasies there have been where, uh, essentially they have like, uh, cards that they, they throw and, um, and what they, their like skill set is based off like how much gill they have in terms of, you know, uh, buffs and things like that. So, so if you have, uh, more gill, the, the cooldown on your like special is significantly less kind of thing. And they also get like critical hit bonuses and things like that from having more gill. So there's kind of this interesting trade off where you try to, you have to decide, do I want to keep the, the buff that gives me the lower cooldown and, 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 you know, 20% critical hit, or do I want to, you know, spend money to upgrade these guns or spend money to upgrade these materia, things like that. Obviously you can find that stuff in the world too, but sometimes you're kind of faced with that question, right? And then they have different, uh, uh, traits you can equip that, that basically can say, okay, you want to get more MP when you use it, like your ability, or do you want to get more gill? when you kill enemies and things like that. So it's like they really, I think, do a good job of, of making sure this class utilizes every resources, resource that is available, basically. And and so it's like a neat kind of like trade-off that you end up playing um, with it. But my favorite thing about the class is uh, the decoy feature, which essentially is, you know, uh, a little like version of you that you throw out into the to the uh, environment, which I think is like a cool idea in general, but it's not something I ever really utilize much because often in a game like say apex there you have a character like mirage right and mirage when he throws his decoys out it's, it's almost like a mind game they have to play with it right where you have to kind of trick the other player into figuring out or to understanding that, that character is like a real character so they shoot at it and, and make it you know uh, uh uh make it you know apparent that it's not you know uh, uh, it's not a decoy and then so you can kind of take get a beat on where they're actually located and and initially i was kind of worried because i was worried that was what it was going to be um but it's actually kind of weird it's like a it's a it's a decoy but it's also like a mini turret and the turret is customizable because it matches your equipment so you know if you have different types of guns on they will shoot, you know, depending on whatever gun you have equipped, that's the type of gun they're going to shoot. So you can equip sniper rifles to them. Although I say sniper rifles, probably the, the least effective because it is just like body shots essentially. And, and they already have reduced damage as is. So it's more of a way to harass people from afar. Um, but, uh, you can, you know, kind of pick and choose what weapon you want them to have. And then when you drop them down, they'll, they'll have that weapon. So you can have like a shotgun and drop them in the middle of people, or you can put a machine gun, and, like flank somebody with them and things like that. So there's a lot of different things you can do. And sometimes it's just good because, uh, it will go ahead and target people 
uh, automatically. So you can kind of use it just to kind of figure out where people are and, and things like that. Um, and it's actually because the bullets it shoots actually does damage. So like, I think that's really interesting because it makes it like a turret as well in some ways. Now they can shoot it and get rid of it. So it's like, if you just drop a decoy by itself, it's usually not going to be, you know, that, that, you know, helpful. But if somebody's like hiding behind cover or something like that, you can throw the decoy behind cover and you can basically, you know, shoot them a bit from behind. And if they're, if they're calm about it, they usually can deal with it pretty easily. Um, the, 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 the turret doesn't like lead its shot or the decoy doesn't like lead its shots or anything like that. So you can kind of like move back and forth and dodge most of its shots. Um, and if you shoot it just a handful of times, it will, it will die. So it, it's definitely easy to deal with. Um, as, as, a, as an opponent kind of thing, but it is one of the things that just kind of throws an extra chaotic element into, into combat. And especially if people are busy fighting, it becomes like really challenging to, to pick out, you know, who, who is who and who's a decoy and who's what. Um, although it is a problem I'm playing with a friend and my friend said that the decoy is not marked ever. So, so he has to basically, uh, figure out that it is my decoy, not another player playing, uh, that he's going to shoot. Cause it looks like it's just like any other enemy basically is what it looks like to him. So, so he, I will like drop decoys around and he'll like turn around and like start shooting it or something. It's, it's pretty, it's pretty funny. Um, but it, I just really enjoyed that aspect of it. I just felt like it's a class that really took in consideration a lot of aspects of that game. And, and I think it's maybe embodies, I think what I like so much about first soldier as a whole of just like, it's a really, a very flexible class in a lot of different ways. Now you can make the class like not decoy focused. You can make it more about like, um, recovery so you can like basically split your hp in half and like leave a card behind and things like that so you can make the trickster be you know some other class and there are there are abilities you can get that let you like you know get more mp instead through something so you could make it more of a magic focus class but i definitely like focusing on that decoy and keeping the decoy cooldown like as low as possible because the, de the decoy cooldown is not that high as is to be honest and and i definitely had a couple matches where like i could throw it out maybe like every 30 to 45 seconds which is pretty I feel like it's a pretty, pretty significant amount, actually. But because of the fact that it is fairly easy to dodge and you, it's so easy to kill, I think it makes a lot of, I think it's really well balanced in that regard. So anyways, I'm really enjoying that game. The only real problem we ran into was uh, the player base, at least in North America, is pretty rough right now. Um, we did not find many people to play against. And so that means you get into a game and it's all bots and those games are not particularly fun. Uh, usually you'll get at least one other team. So basically you play the entire round and then there's like one other team here and there and you kind of have your final showdown. But uh, playing the Japanese servers around like one in the morning, unfortunately, uh, really is where things start to kick in. We did it on a Saturday too. I guess it should work. So one in the morning Pacific time. Japan time, it was like sometime in the afternoon, like five o'clock. So I don't know. Maybe the only way to really <laughs> play that game at this point is to play like super, super late at night. But I do definitely want to play more. I've been thinking about it a lot and I want to go back to it sooner rather than later. So it's a busy month for me, unfortunately. So it, it might be hard to get a lot of um, a lot of time into it. Uh, but considering it's shutting down, I think early January, it's it's going to definitely be a focus of mine alongside Babylon's Fall, I think. So in, in Babylon's Fall, I've made good progress on. I think I'm about a little over halfway through that game at this point. So yeah, First Soldier, fun. I think I do want to do a... I'm split. I, I kind of want to do like a First Soldier video 
I don't think a first soldier video on its own would probably get that much traction. I thought about maybe I've always wanted to talk about other Final Fantasy shooters as well. You know, obviously Dirge of Cerberus is really the only big one, um, but there's a lot of things to talk about with Dirge of Cerberus, and there's also the Prompto mode in uh, Final Fantasy 15 where you can use guns as well. So part of me is like, maybe I should contextualize it more as like a Final Fantasy shooter video, because I do love me some Final Fantasy shooters. So maybe maybe something along those lines, but I don't know. We'll see. I, I just kind of started thinking about it, because I do think it's worth talking about the game, and I, I think... I'm somebody who can, you know, do, probably put something together fairly decent about the game. But yeah, I think the big question is going to be, how much do I involve other Final Fantasy shooters? How much do I talk about them? How do I talk about them, right? I've always wanted to talk about the Dirge of Cerberus multiplayer mode and, and what that thing is. So, uh, but, you know, is that a video on its own? Is that something that's mixed into this video? I, I don't know. So I just got to think more about it. And unfortunately, this month is probably not the, the time for me to think about it. So... I'll just keep enjoying playing First Soldier for now. <laughs> so, anyways, we have an we have another shooter to talk about, although it is of the on rails variety instead. Eco Shooter Plant Five Thirty, which is a a WiiWare shooter from uh, Intelligent Systems. Actually, they worked on this thing. I was kind of curious, and I, I did a little research into why this thing even exists in the first place. And I T Tanaba, uh, who like works with the uh, Retro Studios team and things like that. He was talking about like basically wanting to make a follow-up to Link's Crossbow Training, but it's kind of funny because it came out like two years after Link's Crossbow Training came out. So I don't know like what market they were trying to to follow up on there at that point. But um, it's it's a neat little kind of WiiWare only on rail shooter um, that is very Nintendo in the sense that they really wanted it to be like a non-violent shooter again. So they took the approach of basically having it where the player shoots cans. And if you know Nintendo history, there's like the game, and I think it's like Hogan's Alley or something like that, where you can shoot cans and like kind of bounce them around and get a higher score based off how many times you shoot the cans in the air. Um, this game kind of is based on that concept, although it doesn't really, like you can't sit there and just keep shooting a can and shooting it into the air. It's basically you shoot a can until it's dead, quote dead, I guess. Uh, and then it will usually pop up in the air and then you shoot it again in the air and then you get bonus points for shooting in the air again, basically. Um, but otherwise, it, it more or less just kind of um, works like a typical on-rail shooter for the most part. You know, you just kind of sit there, shoot all these enemies that are all cans because it's like a recycling-based game. And, and, and you have to actually, one thing that is actually unique about this game is you have to like absorb your ammo back. So when you shoot the cans and, and blow them up, they drop like energy. And and depending on how much of a score you get when you when you shoot those cans or how much of a combo you get, um, the, the amount of energy you get back is actually uh, bigger essentially. So, so you basically shoot these cans in the air. Once they're shot in the air, you get a bigger score, which makes bigger ammo, which then you can basically absorb back into your yourself using a vacuum cleaner essentially so it's it, it's it's an interesting idea and the, and it is all kind of wrapped up in this idea of recycling in a very fun way um and and i appreciate it on paper for sure um but i feel like the execution of the game is pretty lacking it, it more or less feels like any other on-rail shooter i will say um it, like yeah the, the novelty aspects are there but unless you're really thinking about it you know you're really just kind of going in and just like shooting you know enemies that are cans instead and they bounce up a little bit like they didn't really feel like a a big enough gimmick to carry a full video game hence why this is probably on WiiWare right it is a very short game too it's like three three levels all the levels more or less look the same you know WiiWare did not have a lot of file size options so or uh, uh, uh space for for developers 
So it resulted in a lot of games that basically didn't have a lot of diversity of assets because it would cost a lot of money to, or not, or cost a lot of space to, you know, have a a variety of texture work and things like that that the game would need. Um, But I think maybe the the biggest thing that kind of would bother me with this game visually is like sometimes with all the enemies being cans and stuff like that, sometimes when things get really, really busy, um, it can get really hard to track what is a can is an enemy, what can is a dead enemy, because sometimes they're just dead on the floor. What what can is like a bonus point can in the background, what cans are being fired at you as projectiles, what cans are the boss cans, things like that. It, it, it gets really, really busy at times in a way that I think it can make it hard to dissect exactly what's happening. So it feels like you're just basically sitting there and kind of spread shotting and or you know, shooting like crazy, just trying to hope you you hit everything and that you don't miss anything that's being thrown at you, kind of thing, especially during the boss fights. Um, though it is like a fairly easy game for the most part. I I personally had a hard time the first time through because I did not realize that there was um rapid fire because like when you press the, the hold the trigger down there's like a slight delay before it rapid fires you get the first shot a delay then it rapid fires so when I did it and tested it I thought it just was a single shot game so I had a really hard time getting through the boss fights in particular using just a single shot and so I guess if you want to really ratchet up the difficulty on yourself there you go <laughs> you know just only only click the the b button never hold it down but once you hold the the b button down it's pretty pretty um straightforward you do want to like not just um spam bullets though because you do have a finite amount of bullets like i mentioned earlier with recharging your ammo you have to pull it back into your gun but also your bullets are your health too so like if you run out of bullets and and you can't shoot anymore and there's nothing to absorb on screen um then essentially you just get beat up by the enemy in front of you and then you'll basically die essentially so um yeah it's it's weird stuff like that that makes this game feel a little off, but it just doesn't ever feel off enough in a way that makes it like super, super interesting. Um, I do think that like the, the main theme to the game is pretty amazing. It's just like this, this lady going, eco shooter. Oh, I couldn't, man, I broke my, my voice cracked there. Um, but you know, it is, it is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty, pretty good main theme. And I actually ripped it and uploaded it to my archive channel. Um, but the the other thing that's like really amazing about this game is like during the credit sequence, the main character, I think his name is Mac. Um, he's like an overweight dude, or he's, he's got kind of that build where he like has like muscular arms, but he has like a lot of belly fat. And he's like the the whole credit sequence is him like walking towards the screen, and for some reason he has like the most detailed belly jiggling animation in a way that like feels to me like it'd be super realistic. I feel like most belly fat jiggles in games are very exaggerated. Um, you know, probably in the way that a lot of boob jiggling is, is very exaggerated in a lot of games too. Although I feel like that's not so much a problem anymore these days. But like, I feel like belly jiggles in particular are usually done in a very intense way and like like for a comedic effect usually. And maybe this was for comedic effect. I don't know for sure. But it is just like the most realistic like belly fat jiggle I've seen of somebody walking for. It's just like kind of crazy to see this particular thing in this particular game for whatever reason and realize I've never seen another video game do this this well kind of thing. Um, but again, it's only in the credits. You don't really see the main character, character outside the opening and the ending. So... 
Anyways, um, you know, it is something that you can't really buy today anymore uh, due to the fact that the WiiWare store is shut down. If you are just loading up a bunch of WiiWare wads on your Wii, like, might as well just throw Eco Shooter on there. But I, I wouldn't, like, go out of your way to, like, mod your Wii just to play Eco Shooter. There's definitely plenty of other, you know, better on-rail shooters on the system. But um, it is it is a shooter that I think within the context of Nintendo trying not to make, you know, a, a violent shooting game and then also, you know, trying to create this game that's like built around the idea of recycling there's like some cute ideas but just not a lot of it ever really you know actually comes together so anyways i had a lot of fun with that um one thing i will say about my experience with eco shooter so it made me it made me rethink something so look when i play shooters on the wii i almost always just use the wii remote that is almost always just my default setup. Case of Eco Shooter, you need the Nunchuck too, but either way, you know, largely you're just using the Wii Remote for the most part. I was always very anti Wii Zapper because I personally felt the Wii Zapper was way too flimsy and did not feel good to use. I used it briefly when I was playing, I think, Link's Crossbow Training, and I think I also briefly used it for Medal of Honor Heroes 2 on the Wii as well. Speak, keep in mind, this is whenever this was actively happening. So I was like 18 years old, probably. So it's been over a decade, right? Um, and so I decided in this case to crack out the Wii Zapper and just try it out. This game was advertised as a Wii Zapper follow-up in the, in the interviews I read. So I was like, sure, I'll give the Wii Zapper another shot. And I feel bad because I have talked shit about the Wii Zapper for a long time. And it's not a perfect device. It is literally just a hunk of plastic that you shove the Wii remote and then check into. But it is a lot better than I think my memory was of it. <laughs> so, like, I've been saying that this thing is such a bad accessory for so long. But using it, you know, I think the B button trigger feels pretty good. Like, it's a solid B button trigger. And while I don't think I, I, I don't find it super comfortable to use, and it is kind of weird with like tr the trigger locations because the B button's in the front of the controller and most guns, you know, the, the trigger would be on the back, right? So it's a little awkward in that sense too, but I think it works. I think it works pretty well and it helps with like stabilization and, and it does kind of help sell the imagery of using a two-handed gun a little bit more. Um, I, I think there's, it's problems in games like, you know, Medal of Honor Heroes 2, where sometimes you use a pistol, but most of the time you're not using a pistol, right? And, and so if you want to like recreate that experience, but again, the Wii Zapper is a little more obtuse, like when it comes to where the trigger is located, that may not make a lot of sense to like kind of break the, it might, it might break the immersion of using a gun in a Wii game kind of thing. So anyways, but yeah, I, I. I think, I don't know if I would say I like the Wii Zapper a lot. I think it is still a flawed controller with the B button being in, the, in front and just like not really being able to find a comfortable position to hold it. But I think it's a lot better than I've given it credit for. So there's my, my Wii Zapper apology tour. Um, just to, just to, to correct the record. Correction, my Wii Zapper opinions were, were trash. So <laughs> anyways. It's Patreon time. Welcome to the Patreon corner. Henry Dagger. Jillian. Paul Daniel. And the Discreet. Thank you again for your support. Again, you can join them in supporting me for $5 and you get bonus videos. 
Next video is going to be a Kaminazo playthrough video. I think that's uh, not this week, but I think the week afterwards. Um, so that's going to be coming up here. And then I got to build out some more Patreon content. So even though I've taken a, broke, a break on most um, other content right now to kind of reorient the channel, the Patreon content will still keep coming for now. So so you should continue to receive at least a, you know, a handful more videos before the end of the year here from me on on the Patreon itself. Um, the other thing you could do on the Patreon if you if you uh, are joined as a patron member for $5 is ask a question as Jillian has this week. And Jillian asks, how often do you replay games? Well, that's a great question, Jillian. Almost never now. <laughs> so yeah, um, I, I am at the point in my life where I significantly value new experiences over old ones. Uh, maybe that's not, maybe I shouldn't say the point of my life. Because I think to some extent, some people kind of escape back to older games, right? To be nostalgic and like kind of return to their childhood in some ways. And, you know, I think I, I I wrote an article a long time ago talking about nostalgia um, and trying to define the difference between nostalgia and experience. Right. Um, because I think there are games we better appreciate as people due to the experiences we've had in the past. But I think nostalgia is a very particular thing. There's overlap for sure. But like just because somebody plays games within a particular category I don't think it's like a nostalgia thing. I think that is a, 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 I have a basis around this in a way that I can appreciate it maybe more so than other people. So anyways, that was not really part of the question, but, um, but yeah, so I, I really focus on new experiences now. So I very, very, very rarely replay a game unless I need to for a video. However, I, when I was a kid, I did play a lot more video games multiple times. You know, it's not going to be anything crazy or weird out there, right? It's like I played through the Zelda games like three to four times each kind of thing. Maybe Twilight Princess not because it's so long. But, you know, most most pre-Wii Zelda games I played through multiple times that I played. Uh, I played through Resident Evil 4 like five times. I played through, you know, Super Mario 64 however many times or, or whatever, right? So um, I did do that a lot when I was growing up. But, but as I got older and as I got around the age of 18 um, and started getting really into buying cheap used games, I've always had games as a resource to try something new. And so it's very, there are times where revisiting a game would be ideal. You know, we talk about the Xeno franchise, the Botan Kaitos franchise, and me wanting to go back to those someday. There's definitely a benefit I would get out of going back to those for sure. Um, but yeah, it's rare. I'm going to go back and play a game just because I kind of feel like it unless it would have to be probably a short video game for the most part. Um, I used to do a thing where I would go back and play like forest one and fancy star online occasionally, basically. Um, I don't really do that anymore. Uh, but it was just kind of like a weird comfort food kind of thing. Um, which I don't think I, I have done recently. And I don't know if that would necessarily be what I do if I was looking for, comfort i think i think one nice change this year in particular for me is moving away from the scripted or maybe not scripted the like kind of the the casual reviews right if you were around during the casual reviews moving away from those i think has freed me up to feel a lot better about playing different games without too much trouble because um a big concern I kept having was like, if I play through this game, I'm going to want to do a casual review. That's going to take a bunch of time. 
But now, you know, I basically kind of take the podcast segment where I talk about a game and upload that as a video kind of thing. That does take effort and work still, but it's significantly less so and significantly less thought on my own. So I can play a game and be like, okay, as long as I can talk about this on the podcast within the next week, like I'm good. And then later on, I can decide, you know, is that segment good enough for me to, to, you know, break out into its own video later and edit some footage to it, right? We're not talking about very timely things most of the time, right? We just got done talking about Eco Shooter for the WiiWare, right? So anyways, I know that was maybe like a little more uh, broad in terms of like the response to that question, but I think it was all fairly relevant at the very least. So yeah, I think the reality today is I just do not play games almost at all uh, anymore in terms of replay. So, and that might be why I don't like going back to like battle royales very often um, and things like that too, or live games in general. So anyways, thank you so much for the podcast question. If you want to ask your own podcast question this next week, you are out of luck. I am recording early, so you will not be able to ask an extra podcast question. However, the week afterwards, I'll be putting up a post on Monday where I go ahead and basically put what the next week podcast question is because Jillian has graciously provided us some pre, pre, pre-populated pre questions. But again, if you want to ask your own question, feel free to enter it in the comment section of that post or direct message me if you want to as well. And I'd be happy to answer that question on the podcast for you Patreon people. If you want to do that for yourself and you're not Patreon, well, give me $5. No, um, but yeah, uh, that's, that would be, that is how you actually, do it. I guess it, as much as I just would like laugh it off like a joke, no, that is how you do it. So yes, you would give me $5 for the month, but, <laughs> but you get other stuff. You get bonus content. There's a backlog of videos now that you can go look at and they're, they're, you know, me unboxing a bunch of garbage and talking about articles I used to write and things like that. And reading some of those articles out loud. So if you're like, Ben, I would be curious to listen to your thoughts from 10 years ago, but I don't want to go read that garbage. I just want to have it pumped directly into my ear well the patreon can do that for you so it's news time welcome to the news section jack jean is back um we talked about this game a long time ago i thought it looked really cool looking it's like a i don't know if it's an otome game kind of thing but it's definitely like a visual novel style game and it has uh uh, rhythm elements to it where you like basically dance at balls and things like that it seems like kind of thing um and i because whenever you add like a gameplay element like that into a game i get pretty excited kind of thing so thankfully uh it came out a while ago i don't know how it was received in japan but uh they axis announced they were going to localize it and uh they just put up the uh pre-orders for it now there's like four different special editions or something like that or three different special editions and then one standard edition um i went ahead and pre-ordered the standard edition probably shouldn't have but i did but you know that it's June 2023 is the release date, so it's going to be a while. Maybe I can cancel it if I decide against it. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm 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 interested in checking that out. But I also, you know, I have not had a great tracker when it comes to visual novel games. So that's kind of why I'm like, maybe I should cancel it. Because as much as I do want it, I think the game looks awesome. And I, and I love the aesthetics and everything. I don't know if I'll actually get around to it anytime soon. But that's most video games I purchase anyway. So um Various Day Life, we talked about this recently. It was like a Nintendo Direct. They put it out on the Switch. I think it came out day and date of that Nintendo Direct, if I recall correctly. This is originally a mobile game, uh, but they're giving it a physical release, actually. Um, There's no release date on it yet, but it is $40, and it seems like all the languages are included on the cart, no matter which region you order it from. But I would just recommend double-checking whenever you order from whatever site, like PlayAsia. They'll have a language section at the bottom. Um, But what's really fascinating about this is that, you know, Various Day Life was a mobile game. Um, so I feel like it's been very few times we've seen a mobile game get like a physical cart release on a system. I could be wrong. Maybe I'm just not, you know, there's a ton of stuff that comes out on the switch that I don't know anything about, 
But this is kind of interesting because it was kind of like a, I think, I don't know if live service mobile game. It was, it was definitely a part of that like Apple arcade thing where you like subscribe to it, things like that. So just fascinating to see that get a physical release. I'm kind of interested, but at the same time, I, I looked at some gameplay recently. and was like, I don't know how much I care about this. It's like an auto RPG, which I think auto RPGs can be interesting. You know, I love the Ice Climber RPG on the PlayStation, right? But uh, it, it is something that I have to be in the mood for, I think, because it is just like sitting there and watching combat kind of thing. Like You're not... Der- actively engaged i believe in the case of what i saw at various day life it's been a little while i watched that during like the the nintendo direct uh last nintendo direct so so it has been a couple months i think so maybe maybe i'm wrong but that was my memory of it so ghost trick if you didn't know i really like ghost trick on the nintendo ds uh if you don't know what ghost trick is it's the ace attorney people people worked on phoenix right um they finally worked on a new ip after putting out like 30 billion ace attorney games and then porting them all to the nintendo ds um and then making new nintendo ds ones um and so ghost trick i think it was like a 2010 title uh and it actually got ported to ios i think at some point as well um but it's like a really cool i i don't know if it's like it is definitely like kind of point and click adventure ish, but you're like a ghost who goes around and possesses stuff and solves puzzles in a room and creates like a sequence of events to happen to basically control what people are doing and things like that. And, uh, I really loved it. And I really loved the story, the characters, the, the look of the game, the animation, the gameplay, it was all great. And I can't remember if I have a review of it online. I do know that was like one of the first games I tested out doing like a, a verbal review for, but I cannot find the audio file for it. So whatever happened to that file is now long gone, <laughs> but, but I was, I was testing that out and, um, and yeah, I just thought that was a great game. But anyways, this new story surrounding this though, is that in Korea, a rating appeared for ghost trick. Um, there was no specific platform given. Um, however, you know, there's, a, I wouldn't be surprised if it comes to like at least steam at the very least out of that. Um, so hopefully that game gets uh, a comeback. Cause as far as I'm aware, there's only the DS version and the old iOS version. I don't know if that iOS version even runs anymore. I mean, this is like probably like early 2010s and that game came out on iOS. So, so I'd love to see that game come back. I will not play it myself, but I'm sure many other people will. And I'm sure running in HD, it will probably look pretty dang good. Cause if I recall correctly, a lot of the assets in that game were like uh simple shaded polygons. And, and I think that stuff scales up super well. Go look at a mega pseudo 2096 and that running in an emulator. That looks really dang good um, because of the simple shading rather than having like actual texture work on things. So and the last news story here is about a game that I've always wanted to play and never have gotten to just because there hasn't been a lot of avenues to try it. So maybe this will finally get me to play it. And that is Elevator Action Returns S Tribute. This is uh, the Elevator Action, I guess, I don't, I think there might be an actual Elevator Action 2. I guess it's like a reimagining of Elevator Action. So this is that game where you have the guy that like goes up and down the elevator right and then he can like shoot the guys as he goes up and down and then he can shoot the lights out and make the floor darks and things like that. It's like a Taito classic, I think, is when is the, is Taito's the one who uh, owned that. And I think Square Enix owns it now. But uh, during the 90s, they they had a something called Elevator Action Returns, which starts off that way, but then kind of blows up into a more fully featured, action-packed, um, you know, very visually uh, explosive game in a way that's really cool. It's got very anime-looking protagonists. So 
Um, it, it looks great, and I think it was on the PlayStation 2 as well because they ported it over um, in like a Taito collection. But as far as I'm aware, it was only on the Sega Saturn when it comes to home consoles in the past. It was arcade only before that. So um, it being an SGU title seems to imply that it is based off the Sega Saturn version of that game, as far as I'm aware. Um, and it's coming to PC and console. I don't see a price that they listed for it, but it is going to come out on December 1st, it looks like. So I may pick that up. It's a short game, and I, I've always always wanted to try it. So, you know, it'd be something that'd be easy enough to just plop, you know, 10 bucks down for and just go through in like, you know, a couple hours, if that, if even that, depending on how hard it is, um, and, and just get through it. So I'm really looking forward to that. I don't know if they're going to do like a physical thing, but, you know, given how short that game is... Maybe not, but at the same time, I feel like the people who are into like limited run games, classic game collecting, probably would enjoy a elevator action physical copy. Um, but personally, I would not wait one year for a physical copy of elevator action <laughs> returns. So, so yeah. Anyways, that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. OneControlBoard.com is the website. Um, so for next week. The podcast is going to be one of those in-between podcasts again. I am out of town. I'm going to KomoriCon. I have my panel on uh, Sunday at 11, uh, 11 in the morning um, for that. So if you are at KomoriCon for any reason, feel free to come by and check that out. It's like panel room five, I think, is when it is. It's going to be about an hour. And again, it is about collecting retro games on a budget and staying positive um, while you're you're doing it kind of thing, um, which I have a video about that I've done before, but this is, you know, 45 minutes so I can kind of, you know, go a bit deeper into my explanation of things and things like that, right? So um, that is going to be happening. And then also uh, after that, the week after, I'm going to be doing a panel at Sin City Anime. I don't think I can say the time yet, but I believe it's also on Sunday. And that's going to be about buying Dojin goods online from from uh, Japanese sellers. So how to mostly do direct purchasing is what I would cover. Because there is like secondhand purchasing you can do. But I, I personally think direct purchasing is what I really want to focus on for that. So anyway, so both of those panels are coming up here. And then those are going to go up on the YouTube channel. Probably at not any particular interval. Maybe like one week apart from each other at the very least. Um, but, uh, they'll both go up. They'll both get up on the, the YouTube at some point there though. Uh, assuming that the recording turns out fine. That's the big thing. If, if the recording doesn't turn out, then well, rest in peace. Maybe I'll record, you know, a, a version of that panel at home for you guys or something instead, but I'd rather just do the panel than upload that. So, so yeah, otherwise, uh, for streaming this week, we'll also, uh, be moving up a day early because I'll be flying on Thursday. So if you want to come finish up Napple tail with us, that will be on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific time. We probably will do the casual review or the community review, uh, assuming there are enough people there. And then after that, there's probably going to be extra time. I haven't decided what we're going to do, but I, I might just feel it out when we get there. I think going forward, the stream is going to be more about just kind of feeling out how we feel every stream kind of thing. Obviously, I'll have some plans, but not like being so strict about it. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll spend like an hour or something doing something else at the very least, probably assuming the game is, is pretty quick to get through and finish up. So otherwise though, thank you guys so much for listening. One short.com is the website and I hope you guys have a great week. Bye.